You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time. They can't be Packers. No. Are you crazy? No. You're listening to Cheese and Packers, a project powered by the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. Uh, we're going to try and power through this one today because I got a just raging headache. Um, might be related to having uh, given blood this morning. I'm wondering out loud if that's like something I should be concerned about, you know. Not, not really lightheaded, but maybe a little bit lightheaded and just a headache. Probably should keep pounding this water I got in front of me. We're going to talk about... Uh, a little bit about the game. Not very much about it. You guys are kind of tired of hearing about it. We're going to talk about my new outlook on the Packers. And we're going to talk to Sam Holman in just a couple minutes here. Uh, I got some questions for him about the defense. And then we're going to talk about how to make Packers football fun. Because we need some fun right now. Because I don't think that the Packers are a very fun team to watch so far in 2022. Now, there's a caveat, and the caveat is that most of the NFL looks like crap right now. And if you're playing fantasy football, you know what I'm talking about. There's like two good teams. The Packers are certainly not one of them. I made the decision this week, and I was thinking about it last week, but seeing how they went on the road uh, to London and kind of did in many ways what we were afraid they were going to do, just given their track record of some of these um, long-distance away games, I made the decision. This is clearly not a Super con- Super Bowl contender football team. They may become one. All right, There is a lot of time left before the playoffs. The Packers can become a contender. Right now, they are not. They are not a good football team. They're a pretty good roster. I think... The defensive side of the ball has a lot more talent than the offside, uh, offense side of the ball. Um, but the football team itself is bad, and we know it's bad. Just sitting here trying to watch a game. This is not a good football team. Right now, 
today, if they had to go play the Detroit Lions, they would really, really struggle. You know, the Patriots were able to shut down that um, Detroit offense. I think that we probably could do the same, but we'd have a hard time with it. Uh, And we would, I think, even though it's clearly the worst defense in football, I think we still would struggle maybe not to put points on the board, but we'd struggle to keep drives going. Uh, we struggle to keep momentum throughout the course of the season. I'm, I'm thinking about the Detroit Lions a lot because that's going to be the next game I go to in person. I live in Michigan. I usually try and make it to the Detroit game um, just about every year when I can. So this year I'm going to be going with my father-in-law who is a Lions fan. And I really want my team to be good by the time that game gets here. And it's getting closer. Right now... This is not a Super Bowl contender team, and I'm going to stop talking about them like they are one. So if you listen to my other podcast on Fridays, No Huddle Radio, that's over on PackersTalk.com, I'm going to continue to do game previews. We're going to talk about upcoming matchups. I think there's still a lot of fun to be had here in watching the Packers play other teams, but we're an underdog doesn't mean we're an underdog every single week against every competitor, but we are an underdog in the NFL. We are not one of the premier teams in the NFL right now, and that is based on the way we are playing. The uh, defense is something we're going to talk about in a few minutes with uh, Sam Holman, and we'll get his thoughts on that. I have a lot of frustration about the defense. I think I'm more frustrated about the defense than the offense Because I feel like with the defense, it's a little harder to fix. And I think that the points that are being uh, put on the board by the Packers offense and by opposing offenses, uh, especially when you factor in turnovers and, and Rodgers pick six against the Patriots, the defense is doing a bit of a better job overall. And I don't think that's very debatable. The problem is the Packers' talent, I think, is stacked like 70-30 defense to offense. The offense is grading out better. Um, I think that they are getting more out of the guys that they do have. And I think that there's a lot more room for them to realistically improve. And on the defense... I'm not so sure it's fixable. I I am starting to have some frustrations with Joe Barry's play calling. Not a lot. Not to the extent that a lot of folks on social media are. But, you know, you look at just the sort of stale vanilla defense that they are bringing most of the time. The Packers defense pretty consistently is always bringing five rushers against the pack uh, uh, the uh, quarterback and it's not blitzing they have three d linemen and they have two outside backers the packers actually don't have a single db who has blitzed more than four times uh, Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell are not rushing the passer. Quay has uh, been brought in on pass rush 15% of the time. Devondre just 3% of the time. 
and it's one of the lowest percentages among NFL linebackers total for 2022. The Packers are failing on first and second down. On third down, they're doing great, but they hardly ever get to any third downs. The Packers are, uh, what, like fifth fewest uh, in, in the NFL in terms of teams that get to third down. They are an electric defense on third down, but it's always third and long. The Packers' um, opponents need, on average, seven and a half yards on third down. But they almost never get to third down. And, you know, this is, this is sort of that bend but don't break defense that we remember so well from the end of Mike Pettin's tenure, where... Yeah, you can kind of do whatever you want, especially in the run game. But we're going to make you earn these uh, yards in really long drives. It's going to, you know, 10, 12 play drives every single time. You're going to get a ton of first and second downs, but not a lot of explosive plays. And eventually we're going to catch you in third and long. And then we're going to have our pass rushers pin their ears back and really get back, uh, get, get after you. So one of the big problems is that opposing offenses know exactly what you're going to do kind of all the time. Sometimes the uh, the pass rush play calling can get creative. I saw it a few times against Tampa and New England, and I really enjoyed that. But a lot of the time, they just are sending four or five guys, and basically exactly who you're expecting is going to be rushing the passer, rushes the passer, and exactly who you think is going to be dropping into coverage, drops into coverage. They don't run stunts or twists. They don't have uh, Preston or Rashawn ever drop back. They don't bring Darnell Savage. They don't bring Quay Walker. You know, th- th- these are guys who really could be making a big impact. And I can think of a play uh, against the Giants where Jair read things differently and dove into the backfield for a huge loss um, after he uh, tackled Saquon way behind the line of scrimmage. And I don't think that was called. I think that Jair did that on his own. And I think the players are starting to get frustrated with the defense. I think the, I think they have the horses on defense, but the play calling just isn't working. And much more importantly, the coaching, the preparation during the week is not working. And this is why you're seeing all these issues with tackling. Against the Giants, uh, TJ Slayton, Rasul, DeGuara. Why does DeGuara have a... Why is he enlisted on the defense? He played. He played one snap of defense. I don't think that's correct. I don't know who uh, they charted uh, there, but uh, forget Josiah Taquara playing on defense. I think they just put the wrong number in. So uh, T.J. Slayton, Rasul Douglas, Dean Lowry, Darnell Savage, Jair, and Devondre. These guys all have really bad tackling grades. Let's look at missed tackles from the Giants game. Yet a lot. Devondre, Dean, Rasul, Darnell, and Jair all had one, and Slayton had two. Uh, for a second, I got excited thinking that uh, Devondre didn't have a missed tackle, finally. But nope, he just pretty consistently, he's always here. 
Uh, let's see. TJ Slayton had 40% missed tackle uh, rate. He made two tackles, had an assist, and then missed two. It's just sloppy football. We're going to talk more about the defense when we get Sam on here, but I wanted to just kind of set the stage a little bit for where my head is at on the defense. Um, I think the Rasul in the slot experiment is has been a complete failure. Rasul needs to be back on the boundary um, or you know, maybe go have him play more of a robber role, uh, you know, as a, as a floating free safety slash bullet slash star, whatever you want to, I mean, I know the star is not the same as the robber, but put him in one of those two roles. is what I'm saying. Cause these are some, some uh, jobs that I think can make better use of his skill set. He was always kind of a weird mismatch in the slot. Uh, it was something that Ryan was really upset about all offseason. Was why are we trying to put Rasul in the slot? Why are we trying to put Jair in the slot? This is weird. And you know what? This is <laughs> it's kind of playing out like we had thought. I would kind of rather see Jair taking some snaps in the slot, but I also just want to be a little bit less static. Can we move guys around? Can we get creative? The, the play calling was supposed to be so creative this year. This is a big thing I talked about with the, the addition of Quay Walker and with bringing back Rasul Douglas was you were supposed to have, oh, and, and bringing in um, uh, Jaron Reed, is you were supposed to have every type of defensive player you needed to call any look. And I think that Joe Barry has all those tools and he's just not using them. I'm frustrated with Joe. I am. I also am really frustrated with the players because they're not executing. I think the players, frankly, are playing way down. They are, I mean, Kenny Clark looks electric sometimes and then just completely phones it in and gets pushed around other times. Uh, Preston has kind of been a useless lump since like week three. Uh, the safeties have, have been terrible. The linebackers, I think, have been, mm, at best, we'll say they're really inconsistent. But we know what that means. It means sometimes they suck and sometimes they just come out of nowhere and make a huge play that makes you scream. And then and then the, the edge rushers. This is, this is probably the area where I am the most concerned is that Rashawn and Preston are gassed. They are on the field way too often. I don't know why we don't have another pass rusher out there. Garvin is useless. And Agbar still has a long way to go. He's barely getting any playing time. And uh, I think Tipa still has not played a single snap on defense. So it's only Rashawn and Preston. They're exhausted. They are not on the field for a lot of crucial plays. You know, you get him into second and long Hey, can we throw Rashawn out there and keep them in third and long? No. Now, uh, you know, we're, we're going to pull him off the field, let him get a breather because he's about to fall over because we've been running him all game. And the offense makes a huge play, and now we're in third and short, and now we bring Rashawn out there. Okay, well, you know, it would have been nice to have had him one play earlier, but we couldn't because we wore him out because we refused to bring in a third pass rusher. I don't understand that. 
I have very few complaints about Brian Gutekunst and the job that he's done. Um, this is one of them, though. Not bringing in another pass rusher for the 2022 season, I am very frustrated about. I don't understand it. I mean, I kind of am ready to try bringing up Ladarius Hamilton from the practice squad. Like, we've seen what he can do. It's more than we're getting out of Garvin, and we're not getting anything out of Tipa on defense. Can we at least bring in Ladarius? Like, if you don't want to burn a roster spot, at least elevate him for a game and bring him in and see if he can do something good. Have you thought about that? Offensively, I have more concerns about the personnel. I think that the receivers are not great. I like Romeo Dobbs. I think he is clearly the most talented wide receiver we have. I think Christian Watson sucks. I don't have any interest in trying to work him in there. You know, if they want to keep doing these jet sweeps, whatever, I don't really care until he learns how to play football. I'm not interested in trying to put the ball in his hands. Uh, Lazard is doing okay. Um, he's good, not great. Um, it would be nice to have Sammy Watkins. <laughs> um, Randall Cobb has been really good. Uh, I think Randall Cobb and Romeo Dobbs are really good. And if those two guys and Lazard are what we have, okay, but it's, it's still just not really working. I think that the Packers should be in those Odell sweepstakes when that happens. I think that that is the kind of thing that could turn the offensive season around a bit. But I also think that if we can get our current receivers to play a little bit better, I think we're really close. Uh, Zach Cruz on Twitter is really harping on that he thinks the intermediate and, and deep passing game is getting really close to working. A big issue is they really don't have that deep speed guy. I think that it's it's Romeo because they want it to be Christian and Christian is terrible. I'm not saying that he will be terrible forever. He could turn into a good player. The Packers could develop into a good player. Right now, he's terrible. He's a good run blocker. Um, you know, he's fast when you get the ball in his hands on those uh, jet sweeps. I think a deep shot to him is almost a waste of time right now. Certainly a waste of a down. We have to talk about Rodgers. But... The offensive line is terrible. This is a really bad offensive line. And the crazy thing is, is that on almost every play, you have, I would say, an average of four guys who are doing their job and doing it well. But again, on almost every play, you have one guy who just gets completely expo exposed and blown up and is just useless. Sometimes you have more than one, but it's it's almost always at least one. So if you got, you know, these guys are all doing their job 80% of the time, and then 20% of the time each guy is taking a playoff. <laughs> it's a recipe for disaster. And Rodgers is not playing well. And it clearly seems to be because he doesn't trust his offensive line. Aaron Rodgers' completion percentage this year has plummeted. In 2020, when we had a really good offense, it was 71.3%. In 2021, when the offense really was not great, but did just enough to win. 
it was 67.5%. So 71, 67. This year, we're sitting at 53.4% completion. His EPA per dropback was a positive 0.49 in 2020. It was a positive 0.31 in 2021. Care to guess what it is right now? It's a negative 0.07. It's not just that it's negative. It's that it's such a massive drop-off from what it was last year. The percentage of successful plays has gone down from 59% to 49% to 43%. And his inaccurate throw percentage has skyrocketed. It was 11% in 2020, 17% in 2021. This year, it is sitting at a whopping 24.1%. He's also under pressure 19% of the time. Last year, it was 16%. The previous year, it was 12.3%. Clearly, the the offensive line is a big part of this. Uh, but as Ryan mentioned um, on his podcast a couple days ago, Rodgers bails way too quickly and has not uh, been standing in the pocket and taking hits. He bails, misses some guys who are wide open. The offensive scheme is working, and that is really comforting. There's There's been people who have started comparing this season to how 2018 felt, and I understand the sentiment, but if you're looking at the frustrations in 2018 – with Mike McCarthy, there's a stark difference. In 2018, there was a lot of talent on that offense and no scheme. This year is kind of the opposite. The scheme is pretty much consistently working. They just don't have very good players on offense. They don't have a good offensive line. Their best offensive linemen, Bakhtiari and Jenkins, are playing like two of their worst offensive linemen right now. The tight ends, I think, are good enough. The wide receivers, I think, are lacking. Uh, A.J. Dillon had himself, I thought, a pretty good game against the Giants, but he has been pretty bad most of the year. And we got some stats that kind of illustrate that the Packers are feeling a similar way. In week one, per next-gen stats, this comes from J.J. Zachariasen on Twitter, A.J. Dillon played a season-low 31% of snaps on offense against the Giants. His previous season-low was just 50% in Week 1. But his target share has gone down every single week. In Week 1, he was targeted 17% of the time. Week 2, that was 12%. Week 3, that was 9%. Week 4, that was 6%. Week 5, that was 0%. You recall that the... Pony package was supposed to be a big part of our offensive success this year. It hasn't been working. In two back sets, the package the Packers are averaging 4.09 yards per play, and they have a 37.8% offensive success rate. When they only have one running back or zero running backs on the field, instead of 4.09 yards per play, they have 5.92, and they're 37.8% offensive success rate jumps up to 46%. How big of a deal is that? Well, it's worth noting that their explosive play rate in two-back sets is 4.4%. When they only have Aaron Jones in the game, 
that number triples, 13.2%. The Packers are going to their pony package less and less every week because it is not effective. In the first three weeks, they went pony package on a minimum of 10 snaps per game. Against the Giants, they only used it three times. But also, Aaron Rodgers is not playing very well. His current DVOA would be the second worst of his career. Football Outsiders mentions that the biggest difference this year, statistically, is his deep ball. MVS averaged a 17.9-yard average depth of target in 21, and Rodgers averaged an 84.7 passer rating when throwing to him. Last year, when targeting the deep left of the field, he had a 131.3 passer rating. The league average is 78.7. In the deep middle of the field, he was a little bit below average, 76.9. The league average is 84.7. And the deep right of the field, 74.6. The league average is 78.8. So uh, well above average on deep left. And then deep middle and deep right. A little bit below average. Actually, across the board, Rodgers is uh, worse when throwing to his right always. He's lethal uh, throwing to his left, whether that's uh, deep, shallow, or behind the line of scrimmage. (sighs) Compare that to this year. So we had uh, just barely below average in the middle and right, and then way above average on the left when we're looking at deep. This year... He's fallen off more than 100 points on his deep left. He went from 131 down to 24.1. Again, the league average on deep left is 78.4. That was what he was good at last year. So he dropped from 131 down to just 24. Deep middle, he's gone from 76.9 down to 39.6. And then deep right has only dropped off a little bit from 74.6 down to 51.3. Keep in mind... Right at about 78 to 80 is average for quarterbacks in the league. Um, Across the board, his numbers are basically down targeting any part of the field. Now, some of that is who he's throwing to, but some of that is just how he's throwing it. And and like Ryan said, he's getting skittish. He's bailing out of the pocket way too quick. Uh, He throws scared sometimes. We are also one interception away from tying his total interceptions last year. Last year, he finished the season with 37 touchdowns and four interceptions. He's sitting at eight touchdowns, three interceptions. His overall pass rating is 95.8. Last year, it was 111.9. I think the offense is fixable. The offensive line needs to play a bit better. We have Bakhtiari and Jenkins back. We hope they will continue to get healthier, and as they get healthier, they will play better. It's also been a year and two years, respectively, for Jenkins and Bakhtiari since they played football. Um, And Jenkins is playing a new position, one that I never thought was a great idea to put him at, but it's what the Packers are sticking with, and so uh, hopefully they're going to get things figured out there. I think as Romeo gets better, the offense is going to continue to get better. I think that there are things that um, LaFleur can do to take pressure off of Rodgers and make him a little more of a system quarterback that would help the overall offense. I don't think Rodgers would like that. But it's something they can do. 
I think the offense is fixable. Um, I think the scheme is working. I think it's working really well. And I don't think that Rodgers is playing terrible. I think he's playing a little bit below average. And he's doing everything with some not great players around him. The weapons he's throwing to are not that good. And we hope they were going to be better. And I think Romeo shows that he really can be very, very, very good this year. But I think it's going to take some continued creativity from uh, Matt LaFleur to get this offense really humming at all levels. And I think it would help if a couple guys, namely Dylan and Jenkins, um, played a little bit better football. I think that would help a lot. All right, I talked for way longer than I meant to in this portion, but when I come back from the break, we're going to talk to Sam Holman about the defense and get his prognosis on it, and then we're going to talk about making Packers football fun, and I'm going to involve you guys in that. So stay tuned for that. We're going to do some fun stuff. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm here once again with the one and only Sam Darnold Holman on uh, the Packard Podcast Network. Super excited to have you back on here to talk defense after a particularly frustrating 
defensive performance. At least that is what everybody is talking about on social media. Uh, we're going to talk about the defense. We're going to start off with Darnell Savage because one of the first reactions I saw after this game was just a bunch of people who have either been on the fence about him or have been a supporter of him uh, this whole time as he has kind of gone through his ups and downs, tweeting their frustration about like it's it's just time to throw in the towel and they're really done with him. So, Sam, talk to me about Darnell Savage. He had a really rough game and it's been about a year since fans had any confidence in him what did you see from him this week and so far this season yeah I mean I would definitely agree that he had a rough game it wasn't as bad as I thought uh, just going back and watching um, he made some plays that I didn't see on uh, the broadcast and then there are a couple times where the the stru- where it looked like he was having struggles covering someone it was more it more had to do with the structure of the defense um, but no he, he didn't have a good game by any means I think that kind of what I see from him right now is he's playing he I mean Packer like you said Packers fans are confident I don't think he's confident in himself right now right um he seems to be just playing very very scared almost like he he's you know he's backpedaling like before the receiver is even within five yards of him and that puts him out of position and he just you know can't recover quickly enough um Kind of what I've been thinking about this morning is you you mentioned, you know, it's been about a year since we've had confidence in him. The the last time we did was when he was in that robber situation when he didn't he he wasn't being depended upon to play like perfect in coverage. Right. Where right. he could kind of freelance, make plays, and other guys could cover up for what he was doing. And I think that kind of what I've kind of seen it I, I think, you know, I think he still has a chance to succeed in a role like that. I haven't, you know, I, I, I think maybe I have a problem just not wanting to give up on him, but I just, every, every game, there's a player or two where his speed just pops off the field and you can Absolutely. still see that. I think that's still there. They just need to find a way to unlock it. All right. Safety and edge depth seems to be a huge issue. Uh, one that we talked about all off season. I'm officially in the camp of we absolutely need to bring veteran edge rusher help. But where are you on safety depth right now, um, especially given that you know we missed Adrian Amos for a little while there? Yeah, I'm I'm actually do I'm pretty good on safety depth. Um, I, I thought Rudy Ford played really well as stepping in for Amos. Um, okay. There were a couple. There was at least one communication issue that may have been on him um, on the touchdown that they gave up against the Patriots on the crossing route. Um, it's hard to always hard to tell, you know, who, whose fault communication issues are though. So, but other than that, I mean, he's obvious, he's, you know, really willing, he's willing to stick his nose in against the run game. I was, you know, really, I was really impressed by his man coverage skills. Um, when they asked him to do that, thought he did well in zone coverage as well. So I, I'm good on safety depth. I do agree on edge depth. They, they could definitely add someone there. Okay. All right. Glad to hear that we are uh, at least looking at this the same way for right now. Uh, the entire secondary, I think, feels pathetic uh, compared to the talent that we know they have on paper. Other than Justin Jefferson and uh, Adam Thielen, we really have not faced any competent wide receivers in any of the games we've played so far. We're getting torched, particularly on crossing routes. Now, it's not all game long, but it, it happens often enough to feel really frustrating. Let's yeah. break it down into scheme and personnel. First, we're going to talk about scheme are the complaints from everybody on social media about all the zone coverage legitimate. I think that 
zone coverage in a vacuum is not a bad thing. I think that defense is all about using different tools to compress space, and zone coverage is a necessary way to do that. But I think that Joe Barry has run too much zone. I think he needs to just mix it up. He needs to force the issue more. You know how you know what makes it really hard to throw crossing routes on a, on a boot action play? Having a blitzing safety right in your face. Mm-hmm. Like with the, the Giants did that against Aaron Rodgers in the game and he was, you know, he threw it to I think it was uh Tyler Davis for a 3-yard loss. You know, they just just mix it up. You don't have to abandon the zone stuff. Uh, and another thing is that their like their communication has been just in shambles so far this season. I, I don't think right. there's been a game other than against the Bears when they threw it like seven times where there hasn't been a, a miscommunication and a big play given up as a result. And and another thing, you know, with with that communication, that that's what the zone coverage scheme is based on, right? That they have to be able to communicate well in the secondary, and they were able to. It, the weird thing is, they were able to do a lot of that in twenty twenty one. They looked good passing off stuff and coverage. You know, it's yeah. a lot of it was the run defense that was the problem. But now they so. just nothing seems to be working. I don't know if they changed something. Um, but some, something needs to be adjusted. You know, I, I think that they need to, like like I said, kind of force the issue a little bit more on the offense. And you know what helps with, miss, with you know, mitigate that those communication issues? Just saying, hey, go cover this man. Go, in, go into man coverage. Yep. You know, play yep. aggressive. So your answer is the zone itself isn't inherently bad, but it's a little too much. They need to mix it up a little bit. And account for what's not working and try and try and account for that with play calling. Yeah. It, it just feels like everyone's playing scared in the secondary. And I think that something needs to be adjusted. I don't think that they, at least I, if I were a coach, I would not want to keep playing this, this type of coverage, even though in, in a vacuum, in theory, it's, you know, fine for what the NFL, what people in the NFL are running. I think that mm-hmm. what this team needs is they need to, they need to play aggressive. They need to take back that aggressiveness because right now it just feels like they're they're playing off their back foot. It feels like they never recover from Justin Jefferson burning them in week one. Hmm. All right. That that puts a question in my mind. Do you think right now, and and we have a, a personal question I want to get to here, but do you think right now this total defense is really struggling from a lack of confidence in themselves? I think so. Um, I, I think that just everything's out of whack. They're trying to, they're not communicating well. They're just trying to get into position. Um, they're getting out of position quite a bit. You know, even like Eric Stokes, who, you know, he got out of position a couple times in this game and completions were given up as a result. You know, just everyone is just kind of, yeah. they, they are not playing fast. It's kind of what I posted something like that on Twitter after the game. They're not playing fast and as a unit, you need to, you need to to play effective defense. I think you got to be able to play fast. You got to be able to play confident. You got to know what you're doing. You know, got to know where you need to be and be confident in that. And so you can that you can play in an an attacking way, not in like a passive yeah. reactive way. Yeah, we got a bunch of four two and four three guys on this defense, and it feels like we yeah. have a bunch of four six and four seven guys when you watch them play. Um, yeah, keeping on the personnel, you've got kind of already touched on some of this a bit, but. I kind of hate watching Rasul play most of these weeks right now. It, he Certainly he has his moments where he really shines, but just on a down to down basis, either I feel like Rasul is getting picked on or I feel like he should be getting picked on. Is he playing as badly as it looks to me? And how are the other two corners performing? 
Um, I, I haven't thought, I mean, this past game was a rough game. He had a couple pe- pretty killer penalties, one that negated a sack. And so I think that this, this was a bad game from him. I think that overall he's been okay. I'm kind of off the ship of wanting him as the, the slot corner though. Um, kind of, I think the argument, I understood why they did it. Cause the argument is you've got a guy who has more size. If you want to play a lot of nickel against, you know, mm-hmm. the run game, you want to have that inside, right? You know, Jair, he's not a big guy, even though he's, you know, as aggressive as any corner out there. Um, and, and I think that what we've seen from Rasul, you know, he'll, he, he does have that size. I haven't seen anything like that pops out in terms of like run fits or anything, but he'll, he'll. He's got that size. He can. He uses his intelligence. He can use that to diagnose some wide receiver screens and stuff. Saw that I think he had a tackle for loss against the Bears. Maybe one against the Buccaneers as well. I'm um, kind of doing that sort of thing. But I, I think that where we saw him succeed last year was when they were playing. He was on the outside, and he was essentially just they they put him in positions to read what the offense was doing and attack. And in that you know that kind of goes back to the whole philosophical approach right playing in a, a more attacking style of defense um in terms of you know the calls and and the scheme um but just get, getting back to that letting him you know i one one of the things they love to do is just put him put him in cover two just let him play as the flat player and yep. just that's how he got his pick six off uh, uh matt stafford i think it might have been the same with justin fields Justin Fields as well yep. yep yeah he he loves to play aggressive downhill and i think that in the slot, he doesn't have as many chances to do that. That makes sense. All right, we got time for one more question. Um, and we talked about this in a, a, in a micro level. Joe Barry, suddenly, after one week, is the least popular guy in Green Bay. Is his play calling actually an issue, or is the execution of his players the problem? I think it's both. Um, it's it's hard to extricate the two because coaching does play a role in execution as well. Um, I think I've kind of, this game kind of pushed me off the Joe Barry boat completely. I had kind of been, that had kind of been building for a while. Um, and who knows, maybe he turns it around and, you know, if so, I'll give him credit or whatever. But just from what, you know, what I saw last year, you know, he was putting guys in position to, positions to succeed. I don't think it was a coincidence that Dean Lowry, Devondre Campbell, Rasul Douglas, even Rashawn Gary, they, they all had career years uh, in that first year. But it just feels like he's not really doing that this year. Like I said, I think I think that he just needs to, he needs to dictate the offense a bit more. I think he needs to put guys in better positions, um, both in terms of, you know, where they line up and as well as like what he's asking them to do within the scheme. Um, I just want to see Quay Walker blitz a little more, right? They're probably their best game on defense so far this year was the Buccaneers game where they were using Quay Easily. Walker as a blitzer yeah. on base downs. Now, since then they've basically just amused him on third downs and, you know, the occasional you know, first and second down, but really that Buccaneers game that was when they were most aggressive and seemed to work pretty well. Um, so I, I think that, yeah, he, he needs to adjust his, his schematic approach or adjust, you know, how he's, how practices are going. Something to, to allow this defense to play free, to play fast, to play more aggressive. Because they've got all the talent in the world. Heck, I, Darnell Savage would be amazing as a blitzer. Like, he would be an absolute terror. Yeah. Just send him yeah. off the edge. You know, just let him do that a little bit more. I'd love to see that. Blazing fast and he's big. Wow. 
Um, I was not expecting Sam to hear that much frustration from you. Uh, yeah. With when I talked about Joe, Joe Barry, I was actually expecting um, more of a uh, defensive argument in favor of him. But uh, be interesting to see. You know, they they still have time to turn things around. I'm interested yeah, to see definitely. Uh, what changes might result of some conversations between LaFleur and Barry, but no question the product we've seen on the field through uh, at least four of the first five games of the season has just not been okay. So um, we'll have to have yeah. you back on here in a few weeks um, if things change and we can evaluate what's going on at that point. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully that'll happen. All right, Sam, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, of course. All right. Huge. Thank you to Sam. Once again, for coming on here, follow him on Twitter at Sam underscore D Holman. He always puts good stuff up there and listen to the Wisconsin sports heroics podcast. That is right here on the Packer Net podcast network every Monday. Give that a listen. All right. So uh, last week I read off a listener question from Patreon that uh, mentioned a desire to have some prop bets on this show. Let's talk about what are the Packers going to do the rest of the season. And since I don't feel a lot like talking about how many games they're going to win this season, let's talk about what they might do in those games. I asked my good friend Gil Martin, who co-hosts my other podcast, No Huddle Radio, uh, to come join me. And we're going to have a small discussion about player prop bets. I grabbed uh, some of the players who I thought are going to be the most interesting to talk about. And I'm going to be honest, it's a little bit hard to figure out what the current like prop bets are out there because most of them are just on a game by game basis. And, and we'll probably work in some of those going forward. But I wanted to just look at the rest of the season. So um, we have uh, four five games of data to look at right now and project if we think that the Packers uh, players are going to hit these over and unders for the course of the season based on what they've already done. So. Gil, uh, thank you for coming on here, especially on short notice. I appreciate that. No problem. And uh, we're going to start with Aaron Jones. As best I can uh, tell, the 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 site that had um, the best projections for each of these players was Draft Sharks. So I'm going with that for everything. And um, I have a Google form that I built out. We're going to put a link out there that you guys can go and you just press the over or the under on each of these projections. And if you want to do that live uh, as you listen along while we make our picks, you can do so. Um, or you can wait until we're done and fill them out on your own. Gil, we're starting with Aaron Jones. 858 rushing yards for the rest of the season, over or under? 858 total for the season or for the rest of the season, he's going to gain 858 more? No, the, all these are for the whole season. So take in what they've already done and uh, figure out if they can get the rest of the way there. So Aaron Jones right now is sitting at 390 yards. He's projected to get 858 uh, rushing yards total. Over. All right, that's an easy over for me as well. I think he's going to end up sitting around 1,200. All right, Aaron Jones, seven and a half rushing touchdowns and 3.2 receiving touchdowns. That's 10.7 total touchdowns, over or under. Under. You're going to go under? Yeah. I think I'm going to go over. He's not on track for that right now, but I think that they are going to get things going a little bit more on the offense. I think Aaron Jones is going to continue to be a part of that. So you get the under, I get the over. And then I this is like the one negative that I included in here, but because it's Aaron Jones and because he's been doing this recently, I thought it'd be fun to just kind of track Aaron Jones 
1.5 fumbles for the season. How many do you think he's going to have? He currently has one fumble. Yeah, I'd have to go over if he already has one. Uh, Hopefully it's not too much more than one more, (laughs) but I'd have to go over. So uh, the line is at one and a half. He has one right now. Where do you think the line should be? Because I think 1.5 is pretty low. Yeah, I would go 2.5. 2.5. All right. I like 2.5. And on the official form, we're going to say 2.5 because I think that's a much more accurate number uh, because I, in my head, I'm, I'm wondering if he's going to get one or two more for the rest of the season. So I think I like that. All now, right. So about- do you have to lose the fumble or just fumble? Like Just it, fumble. It, okay. So if the Packers recovered, it still counts as a fumble. I wonder what, uh, yes, it does. I wonder okay. what, uh, Amari Rogers, uh, over and under for fumbles in the season is because it double should digits. be about 5.5. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Aaron Rodgers, uh, 4,222 and a half passing yards. Uh, 4,200. You said, yeah, four, two, two, two point five. He's currently at 1,157 over. Over, I so I really like where this over and under, under is set at. I think that four point two feels kind of right. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go just over. I think that he's. I think that uh, he's gonna go over in the final game. So he better not miss a game. <laughs> All right, Aaron Rodgers, thirty-one passing touchdowns. He is currently at eight. Uh, where to go? Eight. Yeah, eight touchdowns, three interceptions. Thirty-one. Uh, over. I'm going to go over as well. I think he's going to be right around 35. Okay. All right. Aaron Rodgers, 125.8 rushing yards. Ooh. He's currently at nine. (laughs) Under. Under. I'm going under as well. uh, Pretty substantially. Yes. All right. Let's talk about AJ Dillon, who is not quite getting things going yet as well as we would like. He's sitting at 850 rushing yards. 850 rushing yards. He's at 245 through five. Uh, over. Over 850 rushing yards. I'm going to take under. So I'm taking the over for Jones and the under for Dillon on rushing yards. Okay. Dylan, 7.2 rushing touchdowns. Under. I'm going to take the over. I think he's going to get them in clusters. I think he's going to get a couple games where he has multiple touchdowns. All right. But you understand you're saying he's going to get seven more or seven or more additional touchdowns on the ground this season. Yeah, I think he will. I, uh, well, okay. he's. I hope he yeah. Will. Yeah, he's sitting at one right now. I think I think over the rest of the season, and this is only the regular season, but I think that, yeah, I, I feel comfortable taking the under on the rushing yards, but that they're productive, and he, he finds the end zone a few times here. Okay. All right, let's talk about him as a receiver. Aaron, or A.J. Dillon, 30.4 receptions. He currently 30. has nine. Yeah, that's number. He's right on pace right now. I'm going to say over. I'm going to say under because I think he's really trending the wrong direction right now. But if he gets back on pace, he could get hurt, hit 30. He had a hot start and it has really been tapering off. He was yes, it has. Tar- he was targeted zero times against the Giants. 
All right, Alan Lazard, 766 yards. Alan Lazard, 766 yards. He's at 209 right now. I'll still say over. I will take the over, but I like where they set that at. I think it feels accurate. They're pretty good at this. <laughs> they are. Uh, 6.4 touchdowns for Alan Lazard. He's already got three, so I'm going to say over. I'm going to say over comfortably. Do we think he hits double-digit touchdowns? I do. You do? I, if he stays healthy, ten, obviously. Ten feels about right. Yeah. Fif- 59 receptions for Al Lazard. He has 25 targets so far and 16 receptions. Will he get to 59 receptions? If he stays healthy, yes. Worth noting that this is way lower than what we were projecting for him during the season when we were thinking he could be a thousand yard receiver and get a hundred receptions. He's certainly not on track for that right now. No. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, the guy who I think might really be turning into our wide receiver one. Uh, Draft Sharks is not so bullish on him. They actually have uh, lower yards for him than just about anybody else we're going to talk about here. Uh, but 665 receiving yards for Romeo Dobbs over. I'm comfortably taking the over on that 4.4 touchdowns for Dobbs over. He currently has two, two. So he only needs to get three more the rest of the season. If he can't hit that, I'll be surprised. 50.4 receptions for Dobbs over. I'm going to take the over as well. Who do you think uh, ends the season with more receptions, Dobbs or Lazard? Boy, uh, I think by the end of the season, Dobbs. Okay. All right. Uh, Let's talk about Randall Cobb, who I initially Mm -hmm. forgot to put on this, but then, I mean, the, the dude has been very involved in our offense, so he needs to be on here. 424 yards for uh Cobb I, personally I'm taking the over on that uh because yeah. he gets so many yards per uh reception he gets a lot of yards after the catch I, I think that 424 should be really doable he's already at 249 yeah he's more than halfway there and we're only five games in again for all of these obviously it's that the player has to play enough to to reach these goals if they get injured you know Cobb unfortunately we know his injury history but hopefully he stays healthy and if he does should have no problem with that but of course, the problem is when you are looking at these uh, betting lines, you know, they, they, they don't give you any grace for injury. It's did you hit oh, it or no. not? That's correct. All right. Uh, 3.2 touchdowns for Randall Cobb. Under. You think he's going to get fewer than three touchdowns? Three or fewer. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, really? zero. I- See, the problem is not a primary red zone is- target. The problem is for me is that three exactly three touchdowns feels right for the rest of the season, and he's at zero, so that would put him at less than three point two. Correct. Yeah, I guess I'm taking the under as well. Um, that's that's weird. Uh, but the the other thing though is that Cobb last year had multiple uh, two touchdown games. I think he had two games where he had two touchdowns. So, mm-hmm. so again, that you know that could come any any given Sunday. Uh, well, Thirty seven. Yeah. One of those two touchdown games was against the Cardinals when I think every other receiver practically on the team was not available. It's not impossible. We have that situation again, though. Well, 
be scary if it's him and Amari Rogers again as the only two healthy guys. But yeah, right, right. I mean, the other way you could look at it is that that game uh, was one where we didn't have Devonte and MVS. How many games this year? We're not going to have Devonte and MVS. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. We also okay. didn't have Lazard. We'd also, you know, so, yeah. So you, so you just have to miss Lazard in order to get in that situation again. Plus, plus Romeo. Okay. Randall Cobb, 37.3 receptions. We're both taking the under on his touchdowns. Uh, over on the receptions. All right. So um, the interesting thing is here, we are, we, we have a, a kind of an identity for a lot of these guys that Randall is going to be heavily utilized and get a lot of yards after the catch, but not find the end zone. That is a, that's an interesting combination right there. Yeah. Yeah. He's not a top red zone target. I think they go more toward either Dobbs or Lazard or Tunyon in the red zone, or maybe even big dog, which we've seen. Uh, last yeah, they, like, they like those big bodies in the end zone. Yeah. Cobb is not uh, Christian Watson, 612.6 yards. Oh, wow. Uh, under. I am smashing the under on that. Uh, Christian Watson. So, they had 4.1 receiving touchdowns. I changed that to just touchdowns because they keep having him do uh, things out of the backfield. And right. it seems like that's, that's the only way they're involving him. And so I didn't want to limit myself to only receiving touchdowns. Uh, I So I'm, I'm really smashing the under on the receiving yards, but 4.1 total touchdowns. I might take the over on that. I will take the under. I'm concerned about his hamstring and his health right now. Uh, I, I think this is going to be sort of a tough rookie year for him, and I'm going with the under, although I hope I'm wrong. Definitely a tough rookie year for him. I have not liked the way he's been playing, but he has found the end zone once already, and they have tried to get the ball to him down there a couple of times. So if they keep trying, I think – he should be able to hit five touchdowns on the season, uh, but we'll see. So uh, under yards uh, for both of us, you have under touchdowns. I have over touchdowns. Christian Watson, 39.5 receptions. I'm taking the under on that. I'll second that. Okay. Let's wrap this up by talking about a couple of defenders. So we're going to start off with Rashawn Gary. If you can believe it, the line is set at just 10.2 sacks. How many sacks do you think he's going to get this year? More or less than 10.2. I think we're looking at 12 to 15 sacks by the time the year is over. 15 sounds just about right to me. He was on track for a touchdown per game until a Rasul penalty uh, took one away from him against the Giants. But 15 feels just about right for me. I'm taking the over pretty confidently. Rashawn Gary, 41.1 tackles. What do you think about that? He's already at 22, so I'd go with the over. All righty. And uh, Jair Alexander, two receptions. He already has one, over or under two. Two interceptions? Two interceptions. Uh, I'll, well, yeah, I, well, I think. Let's, let's set it at 2.1. 2.1 yeah. interceptions. Uh, 2.1. I'll take the over. All right, I'm taking the under. I think he's going to end up with either one or two on the season. Okay. Jay Alexander, 372 yards allowed, over or under? Wow, that's uh, uh, an interesting... I, I'll go with the over. 
Uh, he in 2020, which was his one really, 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 really good year. He had under, I think he had 337 yards on the season. Uh, but the rest of his career, he has actually given up a decent number of yards in 2019. He had 784 total yards that season. So I think I'm going to take the over as well. Uh, and then, um, Jay Alexander, 39 receptions allowed on the season. And where is he at now? He currently has given up seven, um, but four of those came just against the Giants. And he's only played four games, remember? Right, right. Really, really three and a half games. Okay, I I see 10 here on, uh, on I uh, have, pro football I, reference. Does it break it down by week? Because I have one in each of the first three weeks and then four... Uh, in week five, this is the cumulative, but it says advanced defense and fumbles targets 14 completions, 10. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, so PFF has targets, eight completions, seven. So, interesting. um, hmm. now I don't know which, which one to follow. I suppose we should use pro football reference. Cause that's usually the one that you and I default to as a, uh, the authoritative source. Okay, so what's the over under number again? Uh, thir- what was it? Thirty nine and a half. Where where'd I go? Uh, here we go. Th- uh, just thirty nine. Thirty nine receptions. Uh, I'll go under. Okay, under. I'm gonna go under as well. So more yards, fewer receptions, and fewer than two point one interceptions. All right, Gil. Thank you so much for joining me and uh, doing these prop bets. I think this is gonna be fun to keep track of you guys' responses. Again, I'm going to put the link to this Google form in the show notes for this episode. And so you can go in there and make your picks for what you think is going to happen. Gil, thank you so much for joining us on this show today. I really appreciate uh, your time. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody go follow Gil at Gil Packers on Twitter. And make sure you tune into our show every Friday morning, No Huddle Radio over on PackersTalk.com. All right, everybody, I'm going to get out of here. You guys have a fantastic day. If you like the player prop stuff, um, so I, I am going to try and do some more of that over on the No Huddle Radio podcast that I do every Friday. But also, if you enjoy this kind of content, we have a Packernet fantasy show that you should tune into right here on this network. Give it a listen. Uh, those guys do a, a great job. Um, they do a lot of really fun stuff. Um, and and uh, in addition to just messing around with this kind of fun stuff, you also get help for your fantasy show. And believe you me, I'm benefiting from it. My fantasy team has sucked for the last few years, and I have a positive record right now. And I, I don't think it's a coincidence that I'm, I'm finally doing well in fantasy. Uh, big thank you to Ken for sending in the question about the overrunners. I had fun doing that. Uh, it's a, a nice way to, I think, keep Packers football fun is just look at these guys um, on an individual basis like Aaron Jones and say, hey, he's really playing fantastic football. Uh, what are some goals and benchmarks that we think he realistically should be hitting this year and how well is he doing against those projections? Um, I think that's a lot of fun. Definitely something that adds um, flavor to my game day and hopefully to yours as well. And if you want to be able to send in uh, questions like Ken did, patreon.com slash JJ Leahy is where you can support my show and um, help me keep doing all this. And uh, definitely people who send questions uh, or suggestions in on Patreon get a much higher um, priority than 
if you send it anywhere else, because I really appreciate the support that you guys show me. And I want to uh, do what I can to give back. So, uh, interested to see how we play against the Jets. Uh, Rodgers has like an 18-1 record against the AFC at home in his last 19 games against them. So, I'm thinking as weak as the Packers look right now, I would still bet on the Packers. Maybe not to cover, but to win, I think so. But the Jets are a fun team, and they're going to be fun to preview. So stick around uh, for the rest of the content I'm going to be putting out for the rest of the week. And I will talk to you guys here on the Packernet Podcast Network next Wednesday.